Welcome to Talent Pop Podcast, where we will provide tips and strategies for success in sales, networking, marketing, and business. We will be learning from real stories that will inspire you to unlock your potential, discover your talents, and develop the confidence to take action on your biggest dreams. We are focused on empowering women to connect their passions with their purpose to find true fulfillment. It's time to pop off, queens. Pop off, queens. Woo! This is Amanda O'Connell, and this is Talent Pop. And today's episode, I have a special guest, Julie Linehan, and she is a financial advisor with Northwestern Mutual. So welcome, Julie. Thank you so much for being here. Excited to hear more about your story and everything. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, of course. And so Julie, Julie is definitely a, a special, unique individual. Um, we definitely have some similarities in terms of you know, our recruiting backgrounds and um, she's had a lot of success, you know, in recruiting and just has an entrepreneurial nature. She's also a mom. I'll let her talk about that a little bit more, but just super inspiring to connect with, you know, another hardworking woman, you know, in, in the world here. And, and she's doing a lot of great things and recently has had some success as well. So I'll kind of let you take it away. Okay, sure. Yeah. So thanks again for having me. Um, so I figured I'd start just kind of share a little bit about kind of my background and, and my upbringing and then transition into sort of my, my career profile. Um, so I grew up on the South Shore uh, of Massachusetts in a town called Bridgewater. And I grew up with this, uh, raised by a single mom, had two younger sisters, all girls in the family. Um, and we, we didn't really have a lot of money. Um, so growing up for us, that was sort of we watched our mom, super hardworking, um, ended up kind of bringing herself up into, in the later years of her life, became very successful. So it was a really good example for me. Um, as far as what I wanted to do with my life when I was in my early 20s, just like the, you know, the rest of us, um, I didn't really know. I thought I knew. And I was thinking I wanted to go to law school and be a lawyer and make a lot of money. And that was sort of the plan. So I had this master plan that I was going to move out to Los Angeles, and after living in California for a year, I was going to apply for a state school and go to law school, and it would be cheaper because I'd have a year of residency. Mm -hmm. I had this whole plan, um, you know, moved out to the West Coast, and then started working as a paralegal and realized that this was really not the career for me, sitting behind the desk and basically head down in the books and writing was just way too boring. Um, so I went to a small staffing agency and was looking for a new job and they found me, they got me an offer as a paralegal, but they also said, Hey, we think that you might be good at this and it's very people oriented. So long story short, I took the position in staffing and I worked for a startup, not really knowing it was a startup and not really knowing how risky it was. So it was just the three partners and me. Um, and they, I basically kind of just did whatever they said, um, started just calling a bunch of people, like wouldn't give up kind of relentlessly um, trying to grow in the position. And I stayed with them for five years and they taught me a lot. Um, I thought that I was successful. I was super excited because I was making by the, I think in the last year, I was not quite at six figures, but five years into the business, I think I earned like 90,000 or something like that. Awesome. Meanwhile, um, Robert Half is, a huge staffing agency that maybe some of you are familiar with, they were trying to recruit me. And the funny thing about it is that the three partners at the startup had come from Robert Half and they always 
talked about how how hard it was to work there and it was just you had to go to work in a suit every day and it was really hard and so I was kind of like raised you know up in this career to think that Robert Half was corporate America and it was just not good um, but they ended up getting me on board they made me like a great offer and what I didn't realize is that I didn't have you know I had sort of I worked for this small company but I didn't really believe in myself I didn't know what I was capable of because I had somebody who was kind of hand-holding me through the whole thing mm -hmm. and so moving to Robert Half kind of gave me more autonomy in a way because the management is so was so far up that they weren't micromanaging and they put me into a management role and I, I felt like maybe I wasn't quite ready for that but of course I took the opportunity amazing um, so in that first year um, the billings and my income quadrupled from what I was at in the first job and I realized I didn't need anyone that I was, you know, capable of doing this um, on my own and, and didn't realize, you know, maybe I should have moved there a lot sooner. Wow. So Robert Half was, I mean, I have all good things to say about that company. I stayed with the company for, I think, eight years. Um, I now, built were you commuting in to Boston as well? I was still on the West Coast. Oh, okay. So I started with Robert Half in, in Los Angeles mm -hmm. and I was commuting. I was, you know, commuting. I was going into the office every day. Mm -hmm. There was, was no work from home at that point. Okay. Um, so um, I, I ended up sort of building out that branch in Westwood, Westwood, Los Angeles, and stayed there for about a year and a half. Um, got pregnant with my second baby and then went on maternity leave and when I came back I announced to my team that I was transitioning out to Boston. Okay. The company sent me to Boston where there was pretty much no team. I worked for the legal um, legal mm -hmm. departments for Robert Half Legal. So I went out there and I had this sort of challenge to build up this new team mm -hmm. and did that. Ended up, I think we finished the number two office in the country um, after the first year. So that was super exciting to just like build and mentor people. Yep. Um, and how big was your team? Um, I guess in LA and then in Boston, How? what was the team size that you were managing? Yeah. So it went from, um, there was one guy in, in Los Angeles when I started and we, we built it up to, I think it was seven. Um, and then I moved to Boston and there was one kind of very new, very green guy there. And we built it up to, at one point, I think we had nine. Wow. Um, that's not, and I kind of went through some personal stuff. Um, and I ended up actually getting a divorce. And at that point I was, you know, we were doing well, but I felt like personally, I was in a position where I was not, um, it wasn't responsible for me to be in management at that time. And I felt like it was a little bit just too, too much responsibility. So I actually asked to step down mm -hmm. and um, started working remotely from one of the satellite offices. Mm -hmm. um, kind of, you know, just went through, just needed the time personally. Yeah. I was really grateful that they gave me that opportunity to step back um, and said, whenever you're ready, you can come back into management. So after, yeah. I think it was probably like a year I said, okay, I'm ready. Um, can I actually start up an office close to my house in Braintree? So there was this satellite office for Robert Half, but there was no Robert Half legal presence um, because I had proven myself. They said, sure, go for it. Um, so I ended up building up a team there and we had, I think it was about five people in that office. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so 
basically, you know, as far as recruiting goes, it was a great career. And once you get up and running and you're making good money and you have flexibility, um, you know, in my case, I could work from home sometimes. Yep. It's a tough gig to walk away from. Mm. Um, but what I realized when I was in staffing, I did direct hire staffing while I was at Robert Half. And as I was coaching people through their career transitions, I started to realize that as I was talking to people that maybe I needed to take some of my own advice, which was money is not sort of, it's not the only um, thing that you want to look at. Sometimes there are other aspects to a job that are maybe more important. Yep. And I was kind of feeling like, you know, I was almost 40 years old and I just felt like it was time to try something else because I didn't want to be stuck in one thing forever. I kind of wanted more autonomy. I wanted maybe to try something where I was an independent business owner. I had this sort of entrepreneurial side to me. And so I started thinking about, well, what else is out there that's going to be able to match this that has unlimited upside that's going to give me autonomy autonomy where maybe I can start my own business. And after talking to my financial advisors, I had a few, I realized that this might be a career that I wanted to pursue. Um, a lot of the kind of skills that I developed in recruiting were transferable into this role. A lot of it is just very people driven. Um, you have to be, it's very goal focused. Um, have to be okay with you know people flaking on you people rejecting you people saying no um and just kind of you know not quit and just be persistent yeah um so after interviewing at a bunch of different places i decided to take the leap and come over and join northwestern mutual um i'm actually not directly employed by the company though so i'm an independent business owner and I kind of, I feel like I kind of get the best of both worlds because uh, while I'm affiliated with Northwestern, I have the flexibility to go outside from an investment perspective and work with any firm out there to help clients when it comes to what they might want to do with investments. Um, but I also have the ability to use when it comes to insurance products, I can use Northwestern and there are only 9,000 advisors in the country that can use Northwestern. If you're not affiliated, you can access their products. And when it comes to insurance, they're the most highly rated company out there. So company has just given me a lot of autonomy, um, building a business, hiring employees, working from home when I want to. Um, and the first year in the business was, they, they warned me, but it was really tough. Um, COVID hit, I think it was two weeks into my career transition. I was kind of like, what did I do? <laughs> um, so I was work, working from home. My kids were, I have got two kids who at the time were six and eight. Yeah. And they were at home with me just hanging out because like the rest of us, you know, we didn't have anywhere to put them. So, you know, I'm like taking calls. My kids are sitting on the couch, eating whatever they want, watching yes. TV. Yeah, <laughs> it was just really like, man. <laughs> um, but you know, that's a story that most of us have and anyone who has kids can relate with that. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, the first year was just like nose to the grindstone, just making a bunch of calls and um, I know Will was one of the people that, you know, your husband, Amanda, yes. that I called just to say, hey, here's what I'm doing. Yes. Um, and I ended up working with, I've, you know, developed a pretty good network and working with a lot of the people that I worked with in my past career. 
um, lawyers, recruiters, salespeople, that's just kind of naturally become my market. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I don't know if you have sort of any questions on any of that, but um, yeah. no, that's, it's amazing to hear your story too. And just even from the beginning, I mean, there were things that, that, you know, when I met you the first time and I, you know, I heard part of your story, but kind of getting the whole, the full spectrum is really amazing. Cause I think that you have this unique like grit about you. And I, you know, I think a lot of that could stem from, you know, your childhood and your upbringing and seeing your mom working so hard. And it's just, it's really inspiring. And, and I think a lot of people can connect with that, you know, seeing what their parents, you know, have gone through and, and just taking, you know, past experience and building from there. And so it makes a lot of sense. Cause I, you know, I see you rock star, you know, earning these accolades and it's like, you wonder sometimes it's like, well, geez, how, how does this person become this way? And so it definitely makes sense. And I think, um, you know, in, in that sales environment and, you know, even for me coming from marketing, you know, I can relate to your story sitting behind a desk you know, and wanting that connection and that, that communication and, and then getting into sales and, okay, there's a whole world out there, but you have to get used to the rejection. And so there was so much of that, that I, that I had to open my eyes to and be ready to kind of um, go up against. So um, no, that's, it's amazing. And I, I would love for you to share a little bit too about, I, I think you have some recent, um, like a recent, was it award or something? Was it from this past? year that you have achieved. I'd love to hear about that too. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So um, we just finished our um, fiscal year and it was my second fiscal year with the company and the company actually, well, you know, it's a lot like recruiting and where at least with the bigger companies where they kind of show you where you stack up to your peers. Um, so there are, so they separate it by class year um, and I came in in 2020. So for the, the 2020 class there, are, I think about 450 advisors. Um, and for the fiscal year, I finished number seven um, overall, but I also was the uh, number two for females. So amazing. Um, thank you. So it was, it was really exciting. I kind of, it's funny because I was just kind of like doing what they told me to do. I was like, yeah. tell me what the most successful people do and I'll yeah. just do that. And for a while, it was just feeling like this isn't working, this isn't working, but I'm just going to keep going. Um, mm-hmm. Like, you know, I said, a lot of rejection, a lot of failure, but that's, you know, most people who succeed, they fail more than anybody else. It's true. Um, and so it was great because I did not have any expectations of myself to finish in the top 10. Mm-hmm. But my mentor was like, I want you to aim for that. And I was just like, okay, I remember looking at the numbers, you know, six months into the, the 12 months and saying, yep. I just don't think this is going to happen, yep. but I'll try. Um, and so something kind of happened and something kind of clicked and I turned a corner, but it was really just a matter of me, you know, kind of basically mimicking what the top, you know, advisors yeah. do and doing what they do and just keep doing it and doing it until it clicked and something happened and it yep. worked. Um, so I think, you know, when it comes to recruiting too, same thing, when I went to Robert Half, they had studied, unlike the startup I worked for, Mm -hmm. Robert Half had studied what worked for the top performers. And then they taught the new, the the new uh, recruiters, this, Mm -hmm. this is, you know, what you do. And I was very much just by the book in the beginning. I was like, I'm going to hit the activity and the metrics that they said. I'm going to listen to them, even though a lot of what they're telling me is counterintuitive. And I did the same thing with Northwestern. 
and it works. And then, you know, you do get, get to this point though, where it's, it becomes less a numbers game and more just like um, intuitive. Yep. And maybe not mistakes. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and, and more exciting because then it's not like a volume thing. It's more each individual that you're working with. And I'm, you know, I, I, I feel like when I said money is not enough, I am in the right place because I really feel like I'm helping people. And so it's not, I don't see people as a number, you know, it took a while to kind of establish a network, but now it's more just, you know, what is going to be like, let's really sit down and think about yep. this. What's going to be the best thing for this person. And the other similarity in what I'm doing now versus what I did in recruiting is like, let's help this person transition, mm-hmm. whatever it is, whether it's they're moving from one job to another and they need to roll their old 401k or they're buying a house or they're getting married mm-hmm. or they're getting ready to retire. And it's super rewarding to work with them in that way. And it just becomes, you know, after all, all the hard work comes in, you get to really make a difference and an impact in these people's lives. Much, much, yeah. uh, much like recruiting, right? When you're yes. moving someone from one job to another. I think the difference in this is what's more rewarding is that the people that I'm working with now, I get to stay in touch with. And I'm talking to them a couple of times a year versus when I was placing attorneys and jobs if I was doing my job right they were staying there for years and I wasn't really in touch with them after that so right yeah no that's so cool and I I love to hear kind of the similarities too and I mean there's there's a lot of options out there and just I think it's helpful for folks to hear your story and just how you know from coming out of school and you got all these options and then you know finding out about staffing and you know kind of falling into it but i think some things that stick out to me too are the fact that you know you're you seem super coachable like you were just like i'm going to come in here and be a sponge because and it was because in the back of your mind it was like i want to succeed and it was like i think when you have that in the back of your mind you're kind of just willing to like do whatever people say just to have that success because you you know and then once you you learn and you know get your feet wet and you you get into it, then you can, you know, focus on like quality. And then like, even for me, I can relate to that too. Now being able to work, you know, be, do a podcast and connect to like, you know, the audience that I can really relate to. And it's just, it makes it even more special. Like, I think you were saying, it's just like, you can focus on that quality versus that volume. And I think in the beginning, it's very, you know, you don't really know kind of what it, what it takes or, or even who you're connecting with. Right. It's like, you're just, you need to connect with everyone to really find those people um, that you can kind of work with long-term too. So um, yeah, that's yeah. super interesting. I think in having been in management, um, you know, and mentoring people now in this role as well, um, I found that the people who succeeded were those who were coachable. And that is one really big, I would say consistent across the board is the people who trusted the management and trusted the system. Yes. Um, but there are a lot of people who come in and they're smart and they know it. Yeah. What they realize is that they don't know everything. And that's like, they're their own worst enemy because they don't know what they don't know. And they're not, and they think they can do things different and be creative. And I think that part comes later in their career for most mm-hmm. people. It's like, learn the basics, do it, you know, do what the they're basics. Doing. Yeah. And then once you do that, you can be creative and you can, you can kind of go in your own direction, mm-hmm. but you have to kind of establish like the foundation by listening to what 
your, you know, the senior people are doing and the most successful people are doing. So I would think, I would say that that was probably the number one reason for failure. Um, you know, I don't think that when it comes to my skills, I never considered myself to be, you know, I've never been the best at anything, but I've always been really hardworking. I've yep. always been coachable um, and I, I don't give up. So I would say those are sort of the things that have, I would attribute those things to my success. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. We've talked about this on the podcast before too. It's like the people that, that work hard, you know, it's like they say there's like a quote, it's like, you know, hard week, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. And it's like, you can have all the talent in the world, but when it comes down to it, you've got to be doing the reps and you have to put the work in and yeah, just, just super inspiring to hear you know, your, your grit and that, you know, you're just willing to, to kind of overcome the failure and everything. So it's, it's just awesome. Awesome to hear. And um, yeah. Is there, are there any tips um, that you want to share? I mean, we, we covered a lot of stuff, I think like in terms of, you know, financial advising and any tips for our audience, just if we don't know that world so much um, like just kind of basic advice you might be able to provide. Yeah, so I would say that for anybody who feels like a lot of the people that um, I come across when I first sort of connect with them in an intro call feel initially like maybe it's it's you know too soon to engage with a financial advisor or in some cases too late. And I would say that it, it never is. Um, there are a lot of things that you can do early on to create habits that um, will make a huge difference for you down the road. So working with an advisor is going to generally get people there faster. Um, when it comes to certain things like, you know, um, signing up for your 401k, that can be really overwhelming for people. And, um, you know, just kind of getting a basic idea of what you're investing in, I think is really important. Um, just kind of understanding what you're investing in because it can be really complicated. Um, and so, that would be, you know, signing up for your 401k. I think that's one thing that people sort of overlook, but if you're not doing it right, you can actually make pretty big mistakes long-term. Um, another thing that I would say is that emergency fund is really important before you start actively investing. So aside from the 401k, you know, always wanting to take advantage of the match because that's free money and no one really should ever say no to free money. Mm -hmm. um, but before getting really aggressive in investments, otherwise, just making sure that a couple things on the, de uh, the defensive side, you want to make sure that you have an emergency fund that's going to sustain you if you were to lose your job. Mm -hmm. um, you have six months of expenses saved up. And then once you hit that, then you can start thinking about investing and getting creative with all different kinds of savings because there are so much more than just your 401k, your traditional savings, um, you know, cryptocurrency. I mean, there's, there's a lot out there and generally spreading that and diversifying and having a little bit of money going into each bucket is the best way to go because it diversifies your risk. If you have all of your eggs in one basket, that can be um, a problem if you're not paying attention. Yep. Um, I think another thing is debt. Um, there's good debt, there's bad debt. Um, good debt would be like student loans and mortgage, but you also want to make sure that with your student loans and your mortgage that you have the best rate, the interest rate that you can. Yep. Um, so really at what we say is, you know, just when it comes to the the market, right, the stock market right now, it's been a little dicey and people are nervous about where it's headed, but historically, 
year over year, you're looking at between eight and 12% return on your dollar, which is really good. Mm -hmm. When you put it in a bank account today, you're looking at half a percent, maybe if you're lucky. And so when you're looking at interest rates, ideally you wanna keep your interest rates below that eight to 12%. And if you can do that, then it could, could, I'm not saying for sure because everyone's case is different, but it could still make sense to be investing and also paying off just the minimum on your loans Mm -hmm. but wanting to make sure that you have a competitive rate before you do that, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, before you start investing too, you want to make sure that you're getting rid of credit card debt. A lot of people have this kind of idea that you have to keep a credit card, you know, sort of running balance in order to build your credit, which is not true. Mm -hmm. um, you can use your credit card and pay it off every month and you can still build your credit that way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Um, yeah, so I don't know if those that you know those are kind of some of the basic yeah. things, but it's very personalized. Um, you know, I always want to be careful about giving advice, sort of you know blanket advice, but um, it's a very personalized thing. And I would just say that you know if anyone has any questions, I'm happy to to answer them at any point. Yeah, no, absolutely, that's really helpful. And like you said, it's it's a unique approach. It's like I think of it like going to the doctor. So you know, it's like you can't just prescribe things and say like, good luck. You know, it's, you really have to kind of uncover like what is going on your financial wellness essentially. Yeah. And, then, and that's a, you know, that's a good, that's a good way to put it because right. If you asked a doctor, like advice on health, they might be like, yikes, I don't know, you know, eat healthy, make sure you're working out. Um, <laughs> yeah. Just the basics, but you know, yeah. And it, I mean, it is, it's like the, the biggest thing about people, you know, with people's financial, with their finances, it's not necessarily about making a bunch of money. It's really more about being smart with what you do have and being a good saver and establishing good habits. Like I, I always say, um, it's, it is, it's kind of like, you know, a muscle and you have to, you know, yeah. have habits and you have to practice it just like you do with working out. Yep. And the other thing I say is with, um, like with saving, right. With your money, if you are putting any surplus away and you're putting that money away somewhere where you can't easily access it, I sort of use the analogy like bad food in the house. <laughs> if I have it in front of me, I will probably eat it. But if it's somewhere, if I have to get up and get in my car and go to the grocery store to yep. get it, I'm less likely to do that. So it's kind of the same thing with savings is if you can create a forced savings and a 401k would be an example of that, just one yep. example. Um, that's a really smart thing to start doing early on. Yep. And then, you know, you can't touch it <laughs> or yeah. there's penalties if you touch the money. Yeah, exactly. Penalties, taxes, it's just not worth it. So yeah. Well, this is, no, this is great advice. Um, and obviously, you know, if anybody's listening out there, you can definitely contact Julie. She'd love to sit down with you and kind of go through everything and, you know, in a unique way. Um, and she's awesome. So thank you so much for, for being here and really, yeah, really excited to share this information with everybody. And um, yeah, thank you so much for being our guest. Yeah, you're welcome. Awesome. Well, thanks so much and pop up, Queens. <laughs> thanks.